Let me welcome all of our listeners to the Dominican.net radio. Let me welcome you to this week in interview. Our special guest this week is Dr. Peter Saint-Jean, a world-renowned sociologist and the man who has been fighting very hard over the past several years to bring his expertise to bear on the situation in Dominica. As we know in Dominica currently, there's quite a lot going on with regards to crime, and a lot of people saying that the situation in Dominica is uh, worse than they've seen it in many, many years. We had a conversation some time ago with um, Dr. Seja about the state of crime. As you know, he did some work on the Grand Bay area. He's also been very instrumental here in the United States in the very bad areas, I must say, of Chicago. And he's been used as a consultant in the United States, in Brazil and elsewhere to help um, prevent crime and bring an end to crime. So a very privilege to have with us tonight at this time, Dr. Peter Senjan. Let me say welcome to you, Dr. Senjan. Welcome, Dr. Fontaine. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Okay, it's great to have you, and I must apologize for the late start. Um, my fault there, but we are, I'm glad that we were finally able to to get to get started on this week in interview. Quite a lot has happened of late, um, Dr. Sergeant, since we last spoke, in fact. In fact, the last time we spoke, we were talking about the situation with murders. I think at the time, that was in the last year, we had some some 20, uh, rather some 13 or 14 murders. This year, I'm pleased to say that the rate is way down. I think we have about three or four this year, which places us really very low. Still four too much, but um, it seems we made some progress in that. But we've seen some other disturbing trends in crime. And you're a sociologist. You've been to Dominica on several occasions. You've, you've worked in Dominica. Um, what is your sense about this, the, the situation in Dominica? Is it worse than it was last year? Is it getting better? Is it just about the same? What would you say is the situation as relates to crime in Dominica? Well, you know, it, it, it's very important that we understand the, the distinction between uh, crime in its quantity and crime in its quality. And, and if we were to look at crime statistics, we would be really talking about crime in its quantity. Um, and oftentimes when we are talking about the way people perceive crime and the way that people think about fear of crime, we are talking about crime in its quality. So sometimes we seem to talk about two of these things together or sometimes we tend, we are not sometimes very aware of the distinction between the two. So, so I will talk about that. If we are to look at crime in its quantity, um, sometimes when we talk about crime in its quantity, we usually talk about murders. Oftentimes we talk about murders because murders uh, are the major crimes that we use to sometimes the rates to compare islands, uh, to, to compare countries. And, and we know that, of course, Dominica uh, last year and in 2009 had uh, 2009 broke the record of the most murderous year since independence um, uh, or since we've been actually collecting uh, reliable data on crime in Dominica, and 2010 uh, maintained and or broke that record uh, of high uh, mur homicides, uh, depending on how you count, uh, by, by all means. So if we look at the just murders themselves, the murders alone, uh, we, will, we will see that we have had uh, increases, uh, or at least a stabilization, at least over 2008 uh, uh, homicide increases in 2009 and 2010. But there are a lot more crimes, of course, of concern than, 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 than murders. As you know, that uh, the burglaries in Dominica account for somewhere, somewhere in, in, the, in the like of 70 to 90-something percent of crimes year by year when, when you look at it. But it is not just the numbers of the crime, but the nature of the crime, how the crimes occur, who are becoming victims, how bold the offenders seem to be, and those types of things. That of course, so I just want to start by saying that depends on if we look at the numbers or we ask people how they feel about this issue of crime, uh, the answer may vary in terms of the of severity. About um, numbers of crime and the quality, I heard a very shocking statistic some time ago by none other person than former magistrate Tiani Behansen, 
who indicated that uh, some, uh, on average, there were six or seven incidents against Ross University students daily. Um, does this ring? Is this is this is this really happening in Dominica? Is is there this uh, heightened level of crime against against foreigners in Dominica? I I I, I kind of missed the phone uh, broke in uh, broke out a little bit. Uh, I heard you said the answer. Can you just repeat that briefly? I'm, I'm not, I didn't quite understand. Yes, yeah, sure. The question is, um, Tiani Behansen, the former magistrate, he had indicated that um, there were. Uh, on average, about seven, about seven um, crimes against uh, raw students involving this, this, the stealing of, of, of iPads, of cellular phones, of, of laptops, and so on. And that uh, almost an average of six a day, or it happened on a high rate of frequency. Um, is that something that we should be concerned about, or is that is that really actually happening? Because I know that uh, later on the the commissioner of police went on to say that this was, it was not as as as, as high, um, but he, had, he alluded to the fact that it was happening. Is that something that we should be concerned about? Well, I I, I for one do not have um, that specific data available to me. Um, I and sometimes uh, from the position that Bianson. Uh, Tiani Bianson had recently. He may have more information about the uh, about the the, the, mi the micro info um, data, and of course, this it being part of the G district, um, he would, have, uh, as I believe it is, the district that he was over in Portsmouth and so on, that he would know those know those details. So I don't know those details at all, to be fact, um, and that doesn't mean they're not. I just do not have that information. But let us assume that 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 were to be true, that that indeed um, uh, that's the case. Uh, it would not surprise me, number one, because uh, there are a lot of unreported crimes in Dominica, uh, as in other parts of the world, of course. You know, people become victims of crime and do not report the crimes um, for, for a variety of different reasons. And sometimes uh, crimes may get reported and we may not know about them. Uh, um, of course, we're not going to know about every crime that occurs. But if indeed that is to be the case, it would not be surprising because... Um, Wherever you have high density of, of people that seem to have uh, um, uh, resources that may appear to some as disposable, or uh, they may become targets for, for motivated offenders, uh, the college, college campuses, university campuses uh, are always um, places uh, that are of, of target, and college students are of target to, to persons, to would-be offenders, uh, to do those types of petty crimes. But... Um, they, we would not. I would think of of the level of crime, um, no matter how many of those graduate of the students, uh, Ross students or, or college students or foreigners that become victims of crime. I, I like to think about uh, crimes that happen to to all citizens. Of course, there are different categories of those crimes. So it's very important that we do not stray too far apart, believing that the crime is much so much more so much worse when it affects uh, one set of people as opposed to other. Of course. To others, and of course, there are different ramifications for the types of for for the, the impact of the crime. As I say, that people's lives are equally valuable, but the circumstances of their death are different. So, therefore, we may respond differently to the circumstances of the death, not necessarily in reference to the circumstances of the, of the of the crime itself. So, so, so in the same way, um, it is equally problematic that someone steals from anyone, but sometimes the circumstances around the theft has uh, different ramifications that we have to respond differently because of the different impact that it have on the, has, on, has on the society. But that would be something troubling and something to, to really pay attention to, if, if that were really to be the case, as, as KNB Hansen indicated. Uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about crime. I think we, we, we both agree that the level of crime in Dominica is certainly at a heightened amount. Uh, it's at a heightened level. And... Um, as a sociologist, what, in your view, accounts for for these incidents of crimes? I mean, what 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 are the contributory factors to to a high level of crime in any society, and, and in particular a country like Dominica? What would be the main factors, in your view, that would be contributing to this uh, spike in crime, as we've seen? Right, and, and, and Thompson, let me let me qualify. It's a good question, but let me qualify that uh, to to say that. Um, Dominica, um, and of course, you know, one person killed is one person too many killed. Uh, we know that Dominicans rightfully are very used to a low number of offenses, a low number, low levels of crime where a person that do not like too much trouble and so on for the most part. 
So whenever uh, there are offenses, we got we get very you know we, we get very very concerned about it. And in fact, that's one of the good things in Dominica that has, uh, that people has helped to allow the crime to be as low as it is. Um, um, it is it is high, very high for us, troubling for us. But when we look at uh, St. Kitts, that has about 50,000 people for 20-something homicides, they're probably even into 30 by now. Uh, when you look at the crime, about 52, if about 52 homicides per every 100,000 people, if there were 100,000 people uh, in, in St. Kitts, Nevis, uh, Antigua uh, is, is there about uh, 20, uh, Jamaica is sometimes around 70, Trinidad can be there around 40 or, you know, uh, at different times or sometimes even as high as, as 50 itself. So and Dominica's uh, crime rate, homicide rate right now is, is there about, depends on what the years that we look at, would be there about 17. Um, it was lower, about 13 before. So when we look at the crime, the, 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 the biggest index crime that is used to compare countries, usually homicides, you find that Dominica, depending on how you look at it, might be somewhere uh, be, for the most part by, by mid-range, mid-range to low, depending on who you compare Dominica with. I believe that Dominica should be compared with itself. You know, I believe that if Dominica had one homicide a year, that we are, it doesn't matter if it was, you know, the guy on the street that was killed, or if it was someone of, of high repute, that we should all be concerned and be concerned about those, 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 those uh, rapes and so on that happen in our society. So I just wanted to say that. But to answer your question, um, we have to keep in mind that different crimes uh, function based on different logics. And the, the, the motivation for, uh, for, for drug dealing, for, for, uh, uh, for narcotic violations, whether it's a marijuana cultivation or cocaine trafficking or murder and different types of murder and manslaughter and rape and robbery and burglary, you know, you have different types of motivation. Used motivations, usually violent crimes uh, relate uh, to issues that are uh, directly affiliated with, with inter and intra conflicts. You know, violence results from the inability of people to find and maintain peace, to not find meaningful or nonviolent ways uh, to, to deal with the conflicts that they have. It really comes from, from impending conflicts. People don't just, just become violent with each other just suddenly out of nowhere. Um, whereas burglary, predatory crimes such as burglary, such as robbery, such as theft, such as uh, taking uh, unauthorized use of vehicle, pregnant larceny, and so on, are oftentimes economically based. People who are stealing, taking things, belonging to other people, to somehow or the other provide themselves with some sort of financial sustenance that otherwise they may not have. And, and also uh, subscribing to the type of belief that is that it's okay to do those types of things. Um, and then we talk about crimes such as um, uh, a rape. And we talk about crimes uh, such as uh, uh, having sex with uh, children that's, that's, on, uh, that's on the age, the stat of those um, and statutory crimes among juveniles and so on. Those crimes are different. In fact, we know that rape usually is a crime that is based on power. It's power differential, gender power balance, and those types of things that oftentimes more associated with rape than just the quest to get sex. And, of course, prostitution uh, uh, is a crime that is economically motivated and sometimes by pleasure. And some people do crime by, 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 by thrill. So I'm saying this to say that there is no one simple answer about what is causing a crime because different crimes come and function based on different logics. And, uh, and I, was, I was just in, 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 uh, in, Chicago, in Chicago, I'm in Chicago here, of course, but over the weekend, uh, and I'm sure he probably doesn't mind I say his name, uh, a police officer that's well known, a corporal, a CP Lewis, you know, spent the weekend with me here in Chicago. We, uh, we, we I took him with some of the ex-offenders that I work with, murderers, uh, drug dealers, um, guys who are, you know, who are, all of the crimes maybe except except for for sex offenses. And you know, he had an opportunity to 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 hear that himself and see see. And you know, we had a kind of a meeting of mind in terms of he as a law enforcement officer, what he has seen in Dominica as far as you know, murders and, uh, and drug dealing and those types of things and what we see on the ground while, while we were here, here in Chicago. But by and large, people sometimes say that crimes are associated with economic, economic issues, that, you know, poverty brings crime, corruption brings crime, and those different types of things. And indeed, all of the things that we hear commonly as, as, as factors uh, feeding into crime that correlate with crime are oftentimes true. But, but as a scientist, uh, Dr. Fountain, you know that correlation does not mean causation. 
You yeah. see? Mm-hmm. Because the because we find the same thing, the same two things in the same place, doesn't mean that one is causing the other. Because we find a lot of high poverty and high crime in the same space, doesn't necessarily mean that one is causing the other. Sometimes it, it, it does, but when it does, how do we understand the logic that really connects these things together? You know, it's, it's interesting. Eh? In listening to you, you made mention as well of St. Kitts and, and, and the, the, just the unbelievably high murder rate in St. Kitts that has half of our population, some 20-odd some 20, 20 murders already this year. They had close to 40 last year. And I spent at least uh, three months of last year in St. Kitts and two months again this year in St. Kitts. And one of the things that struck me in talking to the locals, one of the things that they always pointed to that they saw as one of the biggest contributory factors to the crime situation was the police. And the way they describe it is they have a police force that is corrupt, a police force that, for example, will they have officers who will call their friends and let them know of an impending raid and so on. I was just curious as to how much of that, having looked very closely at the Dominican situation, how much of that that resembles Dominica, or if that is not part of the contribution, as you see it, um, to the to the spate of crimes that we're seeing in Dominica, in the sense that people are now afraid, they are no longer afraid of the police, they they think that they will get away with the crime, and, and, and tie this in with the whole question of the judiciary and the perception that justice is not served with the judiciary. Yes, that, that's a very good question, Dr. Fontaine, and in fact, um, that is why in the proposal for the maintenance of, of uh, an improvement of strongly, and, and Senior Benjamin um, had uh, was a colleague with me putting the proposal together. The, uh, the person collaborated with with, um, with with one of our playwrights, in fact, one of your recent guests, Alex Bruno. You know, Daisy Henderson uh, and some of my brother Anthony Sanchez and others working with me on the proposal um, in that regard. And um, uh, CP CP Luis just joined us. Um, as one of the, the law enforcement persons that is going to just be collaborating with his hands, but also in that regard. It, it is very important that we understand, you know, there's something what we call formal and informal social control. You know, social control is, a capa- is the capacity of a group to regulate itself according to desired principles and values. But how does that come about? How does social control come about where people can regulate themselves according to the, the principles and the values that they desire. And we could even think about, well, why do they desire some, what principle they desire? In fact, some people believe that some people in certain communities in Dominica believe, you know, they, they would rather uh, treat marijuana like it's not a drug. Some people, uh, do not, nobody likes a thief, but if someone, um, you know, is, uh, if someone is stealing from, uh, from, from, some, from, depending on who you're stealing from, some people eat and abet the thief. Uh, and if you're selling marijuana, it's a, it's a different type of thing. So there's something that's called, that is called social control. We have formal and informal social control. Informal social control regulates the world. People regulate each other, regulate the organizations, their families, on an individual level to be able to have a, a good society. And formal social control relates to the, the way that the, the, regulate, the re- regulatory capacities of the, 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 the police, the courts, and corrections. And we know that police, courts, and corrections are the three major arms of the criminal justice system are, of course, arms of the government. And it is very, very important that the, that the, formal, the formal system, that formal social control works very well because uh, it, 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 it relates to the informal social control. So what you find is that if the police, the courts, and the corrections are not in proper order, People tend to, uh, first of all, not want to report things. They tend to want to take things into their hands. They tend to believe that, uh, you know, the pol- that, that if police seems to be corrupt, that number one, if they turn someone in or if they speak the truth, they may end up being victimized because there's not fear judgment. Uh, and, and, and I have heard those things in, in Dominica. I've heard those things in Trinidad. I've heard those things in Jamaica. And it's quite interesting contrast. Uh, in, uh, a few years ago, I was in, 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 uh, in Oslo, Norway. And you know, the Oslo at that time had four, four million people with four homicides. And I was talking to a, a heroin addict on the street you know, who was talking to me, and I asked him how he felt about the, the police and how he felt about rich people. And he told me he had no problems with rich people, and he had no problems with the police and the government as far as it came to law and order. And I was, I was struck by that, and I said, why? And he said to me, in Oslo, if a police officer and a minister of government, a politician, violated the law, 
they will act, they will actually were, were, they would actually be punished, arrested and punished, and processed more swiftly, though with good due process, but they would actually be punished more swiftly and act for violating the law, are even higher. So, but he saw that he did the harassing with something. One of the last things he thought of was police corruption. Because he knew had the police done the same thing that he did and found to be guilty, the police would reach speedy trial, number one, and most likely the police would have received a more severe penalty that he did. That is a, a heroin addict on the street um, in Oslo, Norway. And I spoke to the Minister of Justice, and I spoke to many other people in some of the research I was doing out there as to why is it that Norway is so, is so peaceful. And that is one of the things that we, we spend a lot of time talking about violence. And you know that my focus is about talking about how do we build, build capacities for peace. And one of the ways we build capacities for peace is having very well-functioning formal social control agents, the police, the courts, and the corrections. Uh, that's a very, very good response, um, Dr. Sanchez. And, you know, uh, in case you're just joining us, uh, we are talking to noted sociologist and criminologist, Dr. Peter Sanchez, who is originally from Dominica. He's currently working out there in the United States, and he's been a consultant to many governments across the world with regards to crime. And he's talking to us about the crime situation in Dominica, and we'll be talking later on about solutions. Now, Dr. Sejan, you were involved in a, in a very highly publicized um, effort earlier this year, along with um, Magistrate Tiani Behansen in the Wesley area. For those of our listeners who might not be familiar with it, can you tell us a little bit more about what, what transpired? Uh, also, what yeah. led, up, led up to this, and, and some more information as to what took place in Wesley. Yes, on under under this this very early in about the sixth of January, I got an email from Tiani Behansen, then a magistrate asking me to come down uh, to on the twentieth and twenty first of of January this year to mediate with him um, what he called um, what he called a peace a peace peace conference to do a peace conference and to mediate with uh, with him uh, uh, conflicts among some very serious uh, high-profile offenders in Dominica, as he referred to them. And um, I, I, he said he had no money to do, to do this, and um, I decided, well, you know, it was flattering to have the opportunity to, to help my country. I'm always sickened for the last 15 years. I've been doing this, and uh, it was an opportunity to go down to help TNB and I asked him what he was talking about. He said, basically, there have been this, this crime issues in the in the Wesley in the G district, especially the rest of Marigot and recently there were there was a man who was who was shot and there uh, were there were conflicts in the community and they believed that a lot of violence could happen if these things was not these things were not addressed. I had not, I went down to Dominica, I met with the police commissioner and I asked for help from the police and the government. I asked other people for help, that assisted and I basically funded the rest of it on my own, got my rental and did what I had to do. But basically I got there on the on the Friday and I, I had never heard of the name Von Dodds before. I had no idea who this man was. Um, I heard the name, but very quickly I had to learn. Uh, uh, people had gave me all kinds of ideas that, you know, they said, you know, Von, Von Dodds was shot 11 times. And, and supposedly he said that uh, for every person, every bullet he got, at least one person was going to be killed. And uh, persons, many persons, including police officers, uh, believed that that was not an idle threat. They thought that Von Dodds had already had a lot of um, uh, experience with violence um, and, and the types of violence that, that made that threat not an empty threat. Um, and the other person that would believe that were involved in shooting him or somehow that one believed were, were trying to kill him uh, were persons themselves that had experience with crime. So, uh, so therefore, some you know, some big problems are going to happen. So I went down and actually mediated. I showed Vaughn Dodds a movie, Lessons from Homicide, the Buffalo Story. Um, I sat with him, gave him a copy of my book, um, the uh, uh, the one Lessons from Grand Bay, uh, Prospects for Maintaining Low Crimes in Dominica, and so on and so forth. And basically, um, I sat in. It's a very long, long. It was a little about a four-hour, four-way event. So. 
So I can't give you, of course, the blow-by-blow, but the summary of it is that Tiani Behansen orchestrated this conflict among some guys who were willing, who were going to kill each other. I mean, there's no doubt about the fact that there was murder beef around these guys. There's no doubt about it. There were some guy, other guys who had a little beef about little drug stuff and little, 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 bit, bit, I'll beat you up, I'll cut you up type of stuff. You know, that's serious stuff as well, but it was, you know, basically chose to do heavy lifting between one dog and another that uh, that that was believed to have the conflict with him, and I sat there. And basically, in the beginning of the discussion, the guys, you know, were like, you know, I didn't do this, I didn't hurt you, and I can actually finish kill you right here. And there were threats in the in the middle of it. These guys were probably still the threats were probably still high. And basically, on the end of the day on Saturday, at the end of the time, they they, they seemed to be ready to you know getting ready to commit to some sort of peace, at least to come to the church in in uh, the Catholic Church in Wesley on the 21st of January to 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 meet the public. And to hear what other people had to say and to see how outraged the community was uh, in, in terms of, of, of the threat that this guy, Vaughn, may get well and just indiscriminately kill people, you know, at least 11 people. That's what people felt. That's really what people felt. So we went there, and Tiani Bianson very brilliantly put a, 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 law, a list of speakers together and presenters together, and I worked with the youth of, of Wesley, and we were there. And at the end of the day, uh, um, uh, Von Dodds and the, the gentleman that was believed to be having a major conflict with him that he thought was was behind his uh, his attempted assassination decided to make peace. Uh, and right there on the, on the stage with, uh, with with tears in the eyes of of, of, of Celsus Ogis, the priest, and many other people, I just saw crying. And I saw all kinds of emotions that day. I mean, it's uh, I recorded it. I have written. I'm actually I'm writing. Uh, you know, Von does asked me to write a story. And in fact, I, my company, Quality of Life uh, Solutions, owns his life story. And currently, we are the, uh, the advanced stages of completing a book entitled "A Changed Man?" Question mark The, the Von Dodge story. Um, um, part one, and in that I w- I'm describing, you know, some of the the, the emotion and the, the what we accomplished on that day, uh, and it was. And afterwards, when I really spoke with Behansen, I realized that, and when I spoke with Vaughn and some of the other guys who were involved in the conflicts, I realized how brilliant that uh, uh, Behansen put this together. And actually, I didn't know Behansen too well until later when I found out that he had some social work background, because I thought a magistrate, that was kind of unlikely for a magistrate and a lawyer. And later when I found out that his knowledge about the law goes far more beyond just jurisprudence. And um, and it was a, it was something that I'd never really experienced before. I have done truces on someone before. I have mediated serious conflicts. But um, the way this thing turned around, um, I was hoping that this is something we could do in other communities and something that we can continue to build on because uh, some people may not realize it, but in fact, one dog has told me clearly that if um, the, the country, if we didn't follow up with him and I didn't follow up with him up to now, we didn't intervene, that the person he thought that tried to kill him would have been killed and maybe whoever else that were in the way would probably be killed in the process. He has absolutely no doubt that he would have retaliated with murder um, if we had not intervened. So that is one clear indication. And I can call Vaughn's name because he's my, my, my client. He's, we're working together, and he's, he knows that I speak openly about this type of thing. But that is just, uh, that, I mean, this is just something that Dominicans, I'm, that's why I want to capture this and put this in writing. Uh, and maybe someday we probably even need to put this in a, in a film format because there is so much I learned about the peaceful capacity of Dominicans. And, and, and I hope that uh, one way or the other we can find ways to, to, to reproduce the type of action, the logic and the action the, and the collaboration that was brought together. And to just imagine, uh, to my estimate, about 600 people, I think, for the count in that church. And people, it, the, you could hear a pin fall when I said to, 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 to one of the gentlemen, do you commit to peace? At the end of this, and the individual took a while to answer and said yes. I mean, I heard people sign, and then I said to Vaughn Dodd, do you commit to peace at the end of this? And he said yes, and I asked the individual, do you want to, uh, do you want, uh, do you want to be alive or dead? Say alive, do you choose life or death, life, do you choose life or death, life. And then I asked them, at them because Beyonce wanted, and one of the things that Beyonce believes in is that whenever we resolve conflicts, we should, whenever we address conflicts, we need to address those conflicts in ways that make the networks or the relationships be preserved. So in other words, we want to preserve future relationships whenever we deal with conflicts. I want to ask those two men, are you willing to preserve future relationships or break them down? And they said to preserve future relationships. I literally saw tears dropping out of people's eyes. I saw people trembling. I saw people having to sit back down because they were so affected emotionally by a sigh of relief 
that the community they thought was going to explode was a community that was defined by peace. All by this brilliant work that was orchestrated by T.N.B. Hansen. And, and one dot told me about the behind-the-scenes thing. Uh, T.N.B. Hansen, for however you know him, I mean, they're outside and public sides of him, but I got to know some private sides of him. We have to find out a lot of the good that he did. He never even really cared to talk to me about it because he just didn't seem to be, he didn't seem to be focusing on that. But I learned from the guys while Harvey Hansen walked the streets and walked to them and the behind-the-scenes work that he did to make that happen. It was absolutely brilliant. And I think that is something that we have to capture as a piece of Dominica's history in terms of, uh, uh, in, in terms of a good precedence for the capacities of peace. Dr. Sejan, you know, this is definitely commendable, and I certainly salute you and, and, and Behansen and the others who worked so hard to, and that's clearly a success. But I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking of what kind of society has created the Von Dodds. I, I know he's a changed man today, and, and, and to his credit, I, I remember when the, the murder took place at Pequa, somebody said, call the radio station, they assured he's not Von Dodds um, because he's a changed man, and that to me was, was very powerful. Um, but there are other Von Dodds in Dominica, and there are lots of them. And my question to you, Dr. Senja, is what, what has gone wrong in Dominica? What it is that, that you have so many young men who, you know, I'm thinking of our generation, all right? I mean, I'm not <laughs> all that old, but our generation. We were, we were so much into education. We were so much into being productive with our lives. And I go back to Dominica, and I see an, almost an entire generation of young people who have given up who seem to have no hope. And, and, and the question to you again is, what is, what is driving this? I mean, what, what, what has driven young men to the point? And I saw it in my own village. As I was telling, I had last week, I was talking to Inspector Michael David of the Scotland Yard, and I was telling him how in my own village, in one weekend, I had to intervene at personal risk to myself. I could have been hit with a bottle or, or stone. At personal risk, twice in two nights, I had to intervene to stop major fights in my village. And I'm thinking that never used to happen in our times. What has gone wrong? Why, why are the young people so angry? What is driving them? Is it the, and I, 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 I you know, earlier you, you, you kind of hinted at the economic situation and so on. I'm, I'm thinking if this is out, because we know that, the, the, especially the Maricot Wesley area where um, the alleged murderers came from, you have this massive rates of unemployment. And I'm wondering if this is not just the overwhelming fact that the young people are, are just clearly see no hope in Dominica. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a very good question, Dr. Fountain. And in fact, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to give too much of the book away, <laughs> but, I, but we're going to speak openly about it. Uh, and part of what I'm doing in the book is explaining how, how Von Dodds came to be the Von Dodds that his mother and father knew um, as this young man uh, who's talented in many ways, the Von, many ways. The Von Dodds that um, the Antigua Police Department decided to hire at a very young age uh, uh, to be a police officer in Antigua, you know the Von Dodds that you know Anthony Dodds, you know a uh, very uh, respectable young lady, decided to marry and be a cheering by and decided have decided to stick by Von's side. Um, you know, just had a, a baby recently, um, and and the transformation that he has made and the, the things that he has done that are, that are clearly wicked from what he has told me, um, but also the things that he has done that 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 really show. You know the true nature of the of, of a human being to function as the type of human being that God intended them to be, and how they can turn their lives around. And and what I'm doing, I'm taking the opportunity in that book to talk about some other factors, some other people that I've learned, kind of on an individual level, and to answer you know part of the question that you that you are, that you are posing here. But but the, 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 the so 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 in the book, and I'll tell remember, I'm, I'm also um, carving out another manuscript called Peaceful Dominica Prospects and Concerns, just uh, like the documentary Peaceful Dominica that was premiered in Dominica this year, and hopefully we'll have it out. Um, um, Next year again, and so on. But 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 uh, Dr. Fountain, uh, uh, before I answer that question briefly, one of the other things we have to ask is not only what, uh, and, and let us. I mean, I'm not villainizing Von Dodd because there's so many different capacities of him. He has done a lot of mischief, a lot of wickedness, and so on, and on some level from what he has spoken about. But he has also done a lot of of good, and and and. and human beings at the time reside at the same time with the goodness that they have. So why is it that these people who could be so wicked and who have the capacity to be so much good choose at a particular point in time or at particular points in time 
to highlight or to uh, bring forward uh, most likely the, the more wicked house. And one of the important questions to ask is that why isn't there more, if we say Von Dodds, the people like Von Dodds in, in places like Dominica? Because what some people will argue is that the types of things that Von Dodds did when he was, you know, at the heyday of what he was doing, uh, is that community societies have this thing, but Dominica had this one person like him or maybe two people like him. But some people at places are 15 and 20 and 30 and 100 people like him. So one of the things we have to, we have to understand, because we have to be able to study peace as well, is not just ask why are things so bad, but also ask why, are, why aren't things worse. And when we understand why aren't things worse, we understand the, the formula for the solution and try to spread that around. But very clearly... Anger. There's a lot of anger and frustration among people when they believe that the economic sustenance is hopeless, and they subscribe to uh, to the fact that it may be okay to use illegitimate means to 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 get the things that they want. I mean, some of the guys it's clearly in, in the head in Dominica, a different the world say it's not because you have a PhD and I have and I don't have a PhD that it means that I can't I'm not supposed to drive a Benz and have a nice house and a beamer like you do you know I, I, I want what you want what you have but um, I have to find a different means of having it and it's amazing to find out how some uh, 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 some of the guys get involved in those activities and one of the things that Wanda told me that, that I mentioned I'll be writing, writing in the book I'm explaining some of that. He says that do not let any drug dealer really fool you, especially someone who may be selling drugs at the level that he was known to be or accused to be, uh, that, that they will not be carrying arms on violence and they will not be violent because part of the culture of, of, of that world, if you are functioning at a certain level, is that you have to be able to either take people out or let people be taken out or you have to be able to protect yourself. And sometimes, you know, these guys don't shoot straight. So they go out there trying to shoot people and don't shoot the right people. So, so now a lot of those crimes are kind of drug-related. But let's, let's remember now, we are talking to about, we're talking also about a guy who has a, a, who has a quarrel in a car away with another guy about a girl and kills him. We are talking about a man whose wife spoke from a Way, kills his wife. So all of those, although there are a lot of drug-related violence and a lot of no deportation and the advent of this migration of, of wickedness, this migration of crime, that there are a lot of offenders and deportees who continue the life of crime in, in situations of economic disadvantage in the space. But also, part of what we, 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 we know is that the and the capacities of the, the, the police, the capacities of the people and the community to actively organize against those criminal activities, number one, and the capacities to organize to assist those people to find legitimate means of, of, of being able to, to not necessarily get all of the things that they want, but at least the things that they need, that those things are to be taken into consideration because that's what they do. They come well to what extent that somebody may rise up against me or people have the capacity against me or the police for, and sometimes they really don't care because if your life is not going too well, who cares if you go to jail? Some people jail is, is great for them. So it is, it is um, I, I explain in lessons from Grand Bay and I, it's amazing that so many Dominicans I talk to, some of them have read it, but a lot of them have not read the book enough. And if you read lessons from Grand Bay, some of the questions you're asking, the answers are there. I also wrote the, a piece, uh, More Money, More Crime, you know, that was, I think, on, on, on the DAS website or so that, that people need to do. And it's amazing to me how much talk I hear on Dominica on the different radio stations about crime and violence and blah, blah, blah. And these people that are talking make absolutely no reference to lessons from Granby, make no light reference to scientific work in Dominica that explain that trend. And they just go about and talk about, just talk about things from the top of their head. And Dr. 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 Fountain, as, a, as a, a financial man, as an economist yourself, you will know that there are a lot of um, wife tales and there are a lot of myths that people have about wealth and money that, that are wrong. And when they put those myths into practice, they end up worse where they were than where they were. And that is part of what I see in Dominica. We are not taken seriously enough. Part of the empirical understanding and contributions that we have made to the understanding of crime and the solutions. And just like this proposal that I sent to the, to the government. And the people respond. I haven't heard any major talk on any of the radio stations about this proposal that's on the website, saintjeanpeacefulworld.com uh, or peacefulworldmovement.org. Yes. We're not even having a discussion. You yourself have not, you know, have not seen it because not seen of whatever it, it is. Right, but we're um, going to talk some more about it tonight. Definitely going to, to talk about it. Right. Mm. 
right. So, so what I'm saying, uh, Dr. Fountain, is that I one of the things I'm making, I, one of the recommendations I'm in the proposal is for Dominica to have what we do around the world, which is called a victimization survey. We need to know the extent of unreported crimes in Dominica. The stuff that you saw, that I'm sure the crime that you saw and you had to intervene, I'm sure that never got reported. And maybe it was not to a point where it was reportable. But we need to know the extent of which people have been threatened, people have been maimed. When people die, we know that. And sometimes we don't know because some people get killed out in the water and it's another story. Um, spoke at even some, some of the, the, the crimes, the crimes uh, of the white-collar crimes, the corruption that we hear about, to what extent is this stuff really true? And corruption is not just the, what, we hear, what we just sometimes talk about on the surface. The smuggling of human bodies, prostitution. Although some may say that prostitution is kind of decriminalized in Dominica, that's another issue. But it's very important that we do a victimization survey to understand the extent of unreported crimes. We cannot just rely on the statistics that we have. There's no way in the world that we, do we treat those statistics as, as the only answer. We need an independent source of knowledge, information, and intelligence about the logic and the trajectories of violence and crime in Dominica so we can have better prescriptive responses. And if we keep having this major response, we're going to have a St. Kitts, we're going to have an Antigua, we're going to have a Trinidad, and, and so on and so forth. But the, but the type of things that you have seen, and type of things that I've seen that I'm going to report it, why are those things happening? And then we need to really have a movement, as I, as I outlined in the proposal, to, to not just try to be reactive to, to, re, to reduce crime, but to build the capacities of peace. And that is one of the things that I like about the, the, the Dominica, um, the, the name of the organization doesn't stand right out of my head. Uh, Mr. Williams was one of them when we were in uh, the National Youth Council. They understand this issue. National Youth Council are, are the only group that I've seen in Dominica that understand this violence and peace things well. The young people are saying, we don't want to respond to violence. We want to figure out how do we build peace. And that is very commendable. That's where we need to be. Dr. Sessions, you, you've kind of set the stage for the next part of our conversation. But before we go there, I, I wanted to just, you know, as a casual observer looking in on, on, on what is happening in Dominica, I kind of get the sense, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I get the sense that there is not that level of engagement from the authorities in what is going on and what is happening. For example, the peace conference that was so brilliantly carried out in Wesley, it seemed to me that there was very little government intervention uh, am i wrong or, or is it or is that or is that the, or is that your sense as well that 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 there seems well, to be well, I, I seem to i seem to have the same observation so if you're wrong both of us are wrong um from the time that um and i and i don't think i'm talking out the turn if i'm talking out the turn then i'll just face the consequences i i, I usually when i go to dominica to do work that relates to community and crime and those issues one of the first things i do is ask the police the police department for assistance. I ask the police officer for a driver because when I drive all these miles myself in this not windy road, I put all those hours in. It's dangerous for me to do. So I usually ask for a police driver, and you know things can go wrong. You know, um, and I'm a military man. I can probably you know handle myself in certain situations. I don't necessarily don't want to have to do that. But also, I like to. Col- I've been collaborating with the police. It's more about collaborating with the police. And when I ask the police for assistance uh, for a driver to go to the event of TNB Hanson. Uh, and uh, um, the, the police told me that what I was doing there had nothing to do with the police. That's what the police chief told me at the time. <laughs> and, and, and I don't wow. think, and, and you know, wow. and, and he told Amazing. me because I, um, that's what he told me. And that was his belief. I respected his belief, and I went about and rented a vehicle on my own. When I went back, um, he was not accessible for help. And he told me maybe the Ministry of Youth and maybe the Ministry of of urban development and the Ministry of, uh, of, of, of National Security would be able to provide me transportation. With the little time I had, maybe he was right, and maybe if I'd gone to Justina Chalf and asked her for a driver, she would have assisted me. But because I've been working with the police, and I believe that was directly related to what police were doing, then I thought that it was all right to ask for the police instead. So, so I didn't go on to ask somebody else. Um, the Prime Minister himself, Honorable um, um, uh, 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 Skerritt, Ask for the proposal. The proposal I presented to the government was not Dr. Senjian trying to get a job from government, and it still is not. It is a proposal that Prime Minister requested to a senior Benjamin in Canada, and I wrote the proposal. A senior collaborated with me, and I asked other people like Alex Bruno and that folks like Rasmo and, and another sociologist, L. Daisy Henderson, to work with me, and a couple of big hitters, criminologists that I, I work with in the United States, also collaborated, you know, looking over things and asking me questions and so on. And the Prime Minister proceeded to, you know, eventually bring it to cabinet, and then on the 8th, on the 3rd of August, he responded by saying that the government of Dominica could not afford at this time the rate that we are charging. 
and, and I find that I, I understand because the, the proposal is about 4.8 million U.S. dollars over four, over three years. You know, a, little, a bit over 12 million dollars over three years. That's the estimate. Um, but this is just the price. I mean, geez, I've been working for 15 years on the ground over there for nothing except for maybe seven thousand that I once made bringing the police officers in Dominica to train the police. So I find that if the prime minister and the cabinet believe that the contents of the proposal were good, as I assumed they were because they didn't respond about the proposal and being poor an idea, then we could speak about the price. And, and, and the, the price on the proposal is more about what the ultimate the value of the work is rather than what it will necessarily take for me to begin work there. So, Okay, Dr. Seja, you need to explain that better for, for our listeners because somebody listening might be thinking, wow, you know, $4.8 million over three years um, and they're doing a quick math and working that out per year. And, and so you probably need to, to, to explain a little bit more what those rates involved or what that involved. Was, was that simply time that you would put into the consulting? Was that, what, what were the elements of that? Well, you know, I, I, will, I will tell all the listeners to go to www.peacefulworldmovement.org or saintjeanpeacefulworld.com and, 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 and download them. The same proposal I give the Prime Minister, you download it and read the whole thing so you can see it because, I mean, it's 44 pages. I cannot go through all of them. But basically what it was, the first year was about $2.2 um, um, million. What it was, first of all, it asked for the, the establishment of a peace czar. As somebody, if Dominica being the person in the world, to, you know, you hear what crimes are. Crimes are, and crimes are, are people that are responsible for uh, special advisors to, you know, um, um, Clinton had one, and I think a few of the other presidents have had um, crimes are, people who respond to this issue of crime. I said, no, Dominica needs to have a peace czar. That is the person who is responsible to especially advise the government on building capacities for peace, and what I said, building peace as an economic product. That's what I said. That's where the future needs to be on peace as an industry, because crime and violence, these are industries. So, so that's one thing. Um, but I also, um, there was a charge for the, the Peaceful Dominica Week that I wanted to put on this year that I, you know, we, that I funded basically from my pocket. There was a, a, a bill for that. We were not able to do all of what we we're doing. I'm not looking at the proposal now to look at the line items. But we also, I also had uh, the, the, the work, the, the proposal, the work itself that was done for the proposal, the research, the work that was done, the work that has to be done, because I said that one of the things that we need in Dominica is a victimization survey. Uh, like I mentioned, I, the cost in for the victimization survey. The, also, the other thing I said is that the police in Dominica have been trained in community policing um, by my, my company um, back in 2008, and we need to follow up and evaluate it and to retrain the police in advanced training. That's built in there. Uh, I, I said that uh, on, the school, on the school level, we need to be doing intervention, um, prevention, intervention, Interdiction. I spoke about the, the, the about building the police capacities. I spoke. Um, it, it has about building um, um, curriculum, developing curriculum in the schools and the communities about the roots of violence, uh, about the causes of violence, about about the solutions to violence. It has pieces about in developing uh, the, the peace as an industry, giving seed seed monies, or uh, giving monies to different. Um, for example, we speak about peace cuisine. You know, we speak about peace arts and entertainment. We speak about the peace festival in Dominica and those types of things. And we're talking about giving uh, peace um, um, uh, seed monies for people who have organizations or can form organizations who are wrong these issues of peace as an industry. Um, and and and. Uh, and you know these these were different different components on it. So so the curriculum for the school, the the the, the response of the police. One of the things is that um, like David Michael is one of the Scotland Yard guys that I've spoken about, and there are other people in the United States and other places around the world that I would bring on as experts to properly train the police in, in the in the CIS in in all of the, the deficiencies that we see in terms of investigation, in terms of the technicalities, and some of the things that they would need, the equipment that they would need to bring the police up to speed, the way they need to be with some of the judicial things. In courts also even 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 if uh even some changes that maybe have to be done legally uh in, in terms of looking at jurisprudence and look in terms of looking at those uh, at those different factors of, of of legal change and so on uh conferences and those types of things so sometimes maybe when you you know if when you when you digest the the proposal it might be a good thing to ask some questions on line items but um, but these are the types of things that that were in there basically it's an it's a in the, uh, the, the criminal justice system has police courts and, corrupt, and, 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 and corrections. I'm talking about uh, the schools, the community, the churches. Uh, it's a whole package, something that would probably be four, four, four or five times more than what it is, 
if this had to be built to somewhere else. That's the, that's the whole package of what I see as a criminologist who has worked in Dominica for the last 15 years on the front line that is necessary. But I am also about to put out another document, which is kind of a prioritized action plan, that is saying, yes, maybe we cannot do uh, you know, two point, you know, one point nine million dollars worth of something in a year or whatever. But we can probably do fifty thousand. We can probably do a hundred thousand dollars worth of things to be able to to deal with the prioritized items, which are the the police, uh, police, the, not just police reform, but the retraining of the of the of the community the assessment, the evaluation of community policing, the, the training, advanced training of the police. Uh, would to do that uh, to do the crime the victimization service so we can get a better understanding of unreported crimes and how crime really fun crimes really function and to feed that information back into the people. Uh, the films that I have done to have the films in school, the stuff that Rasmus is doing to have these types of things. So so it was like it's like a whole package of information that is hard to tell someone, you know, we we know in a short time that that's why I put it on the on the website the way that it is so people can see for themselves. Oh, Dr. Sanchez if um the, the the issue appears uh, to be, as you said, not not the the concept that was accepted by Parliament or by Cabinet, but it, it appears that the the the, the, real, the real issue was, was was really the cost to government. Um, did you offer to take a second look at the cost and probably come up with something that would be more streamlined or that would still deliver some of what you were hoping to deliver? Was that part of oh, discussions at all? I would have been, I would be, I would have been absolutely happy to do that because every proposal. When 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 Reverend Blackmore, Honorable Blackmore, brought me here to train the police the last time, I gave him a certain cost of what it would cost for the police officers. And he, the first thing he said to me, Doctor Sanger, um, the cabinet said that this is too high. Is there a way? Can you give me another quote? And immediately I said, Let me go run some figures and call the police officers. And they came back with a different quote that they agreed on. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get the opportunity. That opportunity with this proposal, the prime minister just sent back an email saying that the amount that uh, and then the letter to the prime minister is on the web. You see, to the, the prime minister said that the, the, the government currently and in the in the in the in the, in the foreseeable future and not on no way in the foreseeable future for those rates, and they're going to ask OECS for help. And I responded, responded to him, said, "Well, before you even ask OECS for help, let's talk about what you can afford." Of, of course. Of course, I mean, a lot of that stuff, I, in their parts of this, I even spoke to the team about that I was actually even going to erase, erase in terms of like the report, $147,000 for the research that I did to, to get that report done. This is one of the things right off the bat that I was willing to just forgive. And there are other things of there that would forgive. But when they write a report of that type, a proposal of that type, the, 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 the one thing you have to give is the true value of what the, of what the work is. The other thing is about how much do we really have to pay to get the work done. But we never had the opportunity to, to engage Parliament on, uh, on, on, some, on something associated with the cost. And we're still open to that. I, I said that to the Prime Minister in the letter, and we're still open to do that because the proposal is not about the money. I mean, no, you know, it's not about money. And, I mean, we have to work, and I have to give up to get experts to do this and people to do the work. They have to get paid. But it doesn't mean that the value of the work that's in the proposal is what they must get because we can, we can of course, discount this to a very, very affordable thing where, where everybody's happy in terms of the work can be done. Um, but the prime minister, maybe, maybe the, you know, I believe that the prime minister will still, you know, try to negotiate. I don't know why he uh, probably assumed that there was no room for that. I don't know. Um, I'm hoping that this is what will happen um, because uh, this is a very important issue. Uh, it has to be done. It should be done uh, for, for to, to help keep our society as low in crime as possible. And we're open to to to, to talk about the, the the terms and the prices. Now, in, in terms of the deliverables on this proposal, what were some of the deliverables you, you told the Prime Minister that you have confidence that you'd be able to deliver as part of that proposal? I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. I'm sorry, can you say okay. one more time? The question had to do with the, the deliverables on this proposal. What are some of the things that you said that we can guarantee you as part of the process when we're done we'll be able to accomplish one, two, three, and it would be measurable and definable. Well, w one, of the, one of the things is, is, is certainly, um, number one, I said that if there's a very dangerous uh, atmosphere in Dominica right now, that there are two major uh, competing factors. One of them that I call the ticking time bomb syndrome. That is the fact that there are a lot of things happening that we are denying about, that we say, no, crime in Dominica is too high, it's not high, it's low. Dominicans are the most peaceful people, Dominicans are the uh, troubled people, and so on and so forth. And, and there is, on the other hand, 
you know what I re- what I referred to as the moral panic factor, where people say, some people say that people are making a big deal out of nothing, and it is very important that we are able to have a common a common a common knowledge, a common a vocabulary about the real and true state of crime in Dominica uh, from different angles. Uh, that is one thing. So clarity about where is Dominica really right now, and where we win, that's very important because on the if the ticking time bomb syndrome continues, the one that monster shows its head is going to be massacre and a lot of death and violence in Dominica because the things that were brewing right before our very eyes, we, we tend to act as if these things were not really going on. Uh, and on the other hand, the moral panic uh, factor goes on that um, things are not that bad. People are just making a big deal of it. Eventually, you know, what you see will be what you get. I, I talk about considerable decreases in crime uh, over, over the periods of time. But the deliverables would be, of course, um, you know, certain percentile decreases in in the crime, different levels of crime, but also a better sense of peace and tranquility for Dominica. I, I also said that Dominica will be will set the trend. Uh, one of the deliverables as Dominica setting the trend in the rest of the world, um, as if not only responding, not only responding to crime and being proactive in crime, but developing crime, peace as an industry. In this time when we're talking about economic development, one more industry. Uh, especially, can you just imagine young people working for this for for peace instead of uh, of just responding to violence? That's one of the things uh, that I spoke about. So the crime reduction, reducing the crime in numbers, reducing fear of crime, having better police, having uh, better uh, confidence in governance, having having when I talk about Dominica exporting peace. And people say, you know, it sounds mad to talk about them. How can a country export peace? A country can export peace by developing peaceful capacities among its people, and 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 having um, a, developing a culture of peace uh, among Dominica as an economic product. You know, so these are some of the broad things. But specifically, certainly reduction in numbers of crime, reduction in the type of crime. People get better information. I spoke actually. One of the deliverables was developing a scorecard, uh, a crime scorecard, which was something that persons like you and everybody else would have as a way to look at the crime trends in Dominica, as provided by a criminologist instead of just somebody giving statistics saying yes, we're St. Kitts, yes, we're Antigua, yes, we're Dominica. Is. So the scorecard would be something that would be and provide an annual basis so that people can know exactly what those issues, what the truth about crime situations are in Dominica. Because if you don't know that, a lot of those conspiracy theories and those ideas, those wrongful ideas, can cause more harm than they will do good. So these are just a few of them. Okay, uh, very well said, um, Dr. Seja. Uh, we are kind of running out of time here. I, I wanted, though, to, you know, before we close up here, I wanted to to talk to you a little bit about where you see Dominica going from here? Uh, clearly, that proposal from from actually, I, I had a chance just quickly as you're talking to kind of go through it very, very, very quickly. Uh, certainly, would have offered some hope, um, but we are seeing a situation where the conditions that that you kind of outlined very well at the beginning of this program are very much in place. We still have a very high rate of unemployment, still have a very high rate of youth frustration, and and all of this. Um, Actions we see with young people fighting and, and knives and knives and guns and everything else is just part of that frustration. These things are still firmly in place, and and it does not seem that it's, it's going to be addressed anytime soon. Um, are you optimistic about the future of Dominica as, as it relates to crime? Well, the, the, the way I see it, and, and I and I could be naive, um, but the way I see it, I, I don't believe I am naive. Um, I don't believe the Prime Minister, um, the Minister of National Security, or the acting, the, you know, uh, Mr. Blackmore, who I've worked with in the past, or any of the minister, Ms. Um, in the Saint Jean, and um, you know, Dr. McIntyre, and 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 uh, Ms. Charles, and so on and so forth. I don't believe that. Um, I believe that uh, they have. The best interests of Dominica at heart. I believe all Dominicans, not just all Dominicans, have the best interests of Dominica at heart. Um, and I believe, I'm still hopeful that the whatever has to happen for this proposal to be taken seriously. You know, forget about the cost. For this proposal, and, and even if somebody else did it, it doesn't matter. But this to be done. I believe that somehow or the other, what the, the, the attention will get to the prime minister and cabinet and so on to, to, to put the, into action this proposal. I believe that there are uh, oppositional forces in Dominica that raise a lot of issues of concern about governance, about concern about transparency, about concerns about crime and quality of life that should serve as a very good uh, motivation factor for those who are at the helm of the country today and in the future to be 
able to do what is right for his people. Because I believe that every Dominican has the best interest of Dominicans at heart. Whether they are acting in the best interest of Dominicans at the time, maybe from their perspective they are, maybe from other perspectives they are not. I believe that the future for Dominica will be bright because Dominicans will not allow Dominica to go to waste. And it doesn't matter what administration we are, administration we are talking about. If the pundits are wrong and the government is absolutely right, it is in the sense of all of what it's doing, Dominicans who, will rescue, will, who are rescuing Dominica will continue to rescue Dominica, if indeed that's the case. But if the, if the pundits are right that the government of the day uh, are taking the country to where the country should not be going, I do not believe that, it will, that we will allow it to happen in our watch. Um, and I believe, on the other hand, when I say we, I talk about all Dominicans. So I'm not fearful for Dominica, because Dominica belongs to Dominicans, and the government of Dominica is, is Dominicans, you know, so, so uh, uh, as a whole. So, so I'm, not, I'm not fearful for that. I believe whatever those issues are, we will work them out. I am going to do all I can do to make sure that our voice is not buried. I am not an expert in a whole bunch of things. I'm just an expert in a few things. Politics and those types of things, they're political scientists and other pundits that can handle that stuff. I don't handle that because that's not my expertise. As far as my own little corner is, I can guarantee you that I'm going to continue to beat that drum, that what I see from my eyes as a researcher, as a criminologist and sociologist, as the best way for Dominica, I'm going to scream loud. I may be polite about it, I may be diplomatic about it, but I'm going to be persistent, persistent in the type of way that is going to make that little corner that little contribution that I have to make, something to make Dominica a better place. And I believe that every other Dominican, whether they're in government or in opposition or in between, has that same type of spirit to be able to do what's good for our country. And I believe if we continue in that vein, in spite of the fact that it's going to be a hard road, and in spite of the fact that there may be some things we don't like, I think, again, Dominicans are going to win with a better society for all of us. Well, Dr. Sessner, thank you very much. It's hard to believe we've already exhausted the entire hour. We did not even get a chance to open up the phones, but I thought it was important for us to kind of keep that focus. And, and we'll certainly have you back again because this will be an ongoing issue that we need to continue to talk about. I'm glad to see that you're, you're optimistic about the future as far as crime is concerned. I must tell you that I was getting a bit down, a little bit frustrated because I've been in Dominica for quite a bit this year and I've seen trends that I've never seen before. I've seen things I've never never seen or heard before and it's, it's been very disturbing to me as a Dominican. I'm glad that you believe that, that we can work, Dominicans together collectively, can work to put an end to it and, and, and but but I still believe that a, a key part of that is to find a way to provide jobs for young people and, and if people are busy working, earning cash, earning their own money, they probably will not have enough time for for mischief. So so thank you very much. Uh, um, I'll allow you one last one last word as well. I think you you're about to say something. Yes, well, I agree with that. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And again, the point of the matter here is about we need to find when we deal with this issue of crime in Dominica, we do not need to just respond to this issue of crime. We need to be proactive. We need to set the pace for the future in the world. That we need to we talk about jobs for the young people. But there we get, there's a new industry that a Dominican has created, has penned out which is the peace industry, is what I'm proposing for us to embark on here, to, to simultaneously deal with these issues of, of economic strain, to deal with and those issues of economic development, to reduce the threats of violence on our economy and, our, and, and the best interests of our people. And I ask Dominicans to join us. Go to the website, peacefulworldmovement.org or saintjeanpeacefulworld.com. Read the, the document, please. Read, leave some comments. Find a way to help us raise some funds so that we can go about and do this very important work. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Session. Again, the website, peacefulworldmovement.org, peacefulworldmovement.org, all together. And um, I hope you get a chance to go out there and read, read this very powerful document that Dr. Session spoke about tonight. And, of course, give him some feedback on this. So, Dr. Session, again, thank you very much for spending the entire hour with us tonight as we discuss uh, another critical issue of importance to Dominica and to Dominicans and to its successful future. Okay, Dr. Wagner, thank you so much, and, and, and good night to everyone. Okay, thank you. Um, we've been talking here for the past hour. We were talking to Dr. Peter Senja, noted sociologist and criminologist, uh, who is a Dominican by birth, uh, born in Trafalgar, Dominica. He went to University of Chicago, did his PhD at University of Chicago. He has served as a consultant uh, to the government, several governments across the world, including that of Brazil, 
and in Dominica, helped to train the police in Dominica, and done all the work uh, was instrumental along with uh, Magistrate Tiani Behansen in organizing a very successful peace conference um, earlier this year, or rather, was it last year, that saw the coming together of a lot of, of um, former criminals in the Wesley area making peace and gang members decided not to go at each other. Very successful intervention, and I believe something that could really serve to be used as a model for other um, villages and other areas in Dominica. Dr. Sejan is joining us out of Chicago, and we're glad to have him for the entire hour. Let me encourage you to join us again next week for another edition of This Week in Interview. <music>